When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Blakey's Boot Room, the number one Cardiff City podcast. Brought to you by Wales Online. Hello and welcome to Blakey's Boot Room, the Cardiff City podcast from Wales Online. We're all back in the studio and ready to dissect two fantastic wins for Cardiff City over Brentford and Barnsley. Have a little delve into the Welsh managerial situation and what that future holds. And looking ahead to a trip to Nottingham Forest and also some Ask Blakey in there too. Nathan and Paul, welcome to you both. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. And let's get straight into two really good wins. Mm. Nathan, two clean sheets. Cardiff into the automatic promotion places and uh, grins all round. People probably thought, some people thought it was a bit wishful thinking when I kept saying this team is a very powerful team and will be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. And I'm not going to move from that position. So I think the last two games, if it showed you anything, it showed you that this team is not going to go away. It's not going to lie down. It's not going to wilt. And, you know, they will be there or thereabouts come the end of the season, I'm telling you now. So for me... You know, Brentford, what, and beating nine on a roll, you know, massive, really, that game was. We've been quite easy to lose that game. And judging by the miss you've just shown me, because I haven't seen it, <laughs> I hadn't seen it. I wondered how long it would take to get to They should have been, um, they, 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 you know, they should have been in the game more than what they were. Um, I don't mean from a performance perspective, I mean just simply goals. So... That result, great result, because that's a banana skin for me. Uh, like I say, they're on a roll. And then Barnsley, at Barnsley, always a difficult task. They're having a good season, a very good season. Um, the manager would be touted for the Sunderland job. Yeah. Obviously, we know what happened there. Um, so they're doing well. So to go there and get, I would say it's probably, listen, we all like four or five nilers, but as a player and as a management staff what you want is to go away to a rival score a goal keep a clean sheet and come away and that's exactly what they achieved so great result well Neil will not describe the Barnsley win 1-0 ugly as it may have been as the best win of the season Paul oh, well I didn't know that so there you go there you go I can yeah. in your words Blakey yeah. would, you, would you say something along those lines Paul that it, it was that important yeah I well I don't know about that because the performance against Leeds and, Not uh, performance-wise, but in terms of well, uh, yeah. importance, maybe. And the timing, I think. Yes and no. I mean, I remember, if we can refer back to the great Eddie May team that Blakey himself played in, in the old Division 4 days, I remember them going away in midweek and winning 1-0 up north, and then mm-hmm. going away again in midweek on a Tuesday night and winning 1-0 up north. 1-0 mm-hmm. wins away from home, up north, on a cold, windy November night or a freezing February night, 
or what promotion are made of. Absolutely. And I'm, my guess is that that's what Neil Warnock means when it's a he test. says that I'm most important. I, I didn't expect City to win. I thought that was a draw nailed on that game. Or a loss nailed on. That Even was though a, I think... No, I thought they'd win it. That is a fantastic triumph. I think Blakey Blakey's given typical dressing room insight that, that the rest of us don't have, mm. you know, as a manager and as a coach, you want nothing more than to go away to one of your rivals, score a goal and keep a clean sheet. Yeah. In other words, one nil is what it's yeah. about, Blakey. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's it what is. it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, the fantasy is the four nil or five nil. But the the truth is because what the one nil does, Paul, right? Uh, and anyone who watched the Champions League last night with Liverpool 3 0 up, yeah. what always happens is the team who are winning always retreat in the last 10 minutes because yeah. you say, right, we're going to sit two banks of four plus our strikers yeah. and we're going to say, come and score. All right? So I guarantee you, I haven't seen the game, the Barnes game, but I guarantee you, last 10 minutes, they were under the cosh, they were under some pressure. Yeah. Well, Cardiff City. Cardiff let the game come on to them in a sense and they didn't show their hand in the first half that's mm. for sure Warnock was unhappy with, mm. with how the, the first half went right but it was nil-nil but it was nil-nil they stayed tight so they stayed in the game got the win and then you're going to have to defend that 1-0 yeah. at least for 10 maybe 15 minutes plus injury time so what you've done is you've won the game your performance isn't great and you've still won the game and you've tested your character and you've come out on top, plus a clean sheet. So there's so many different things connected to that 1-0 win that go beyond just you look and see a 1-0 win. And for yeah. me, the timing, this time of year, freezing cold, windy, wet, Barnsley, up north, got to travel. You, you just you, describing my journey there. Yeah, you, well, you, yeah. Just, you just want... You, <laughs> uh, you say to any manager, any player, that kind of game on that type of evening, midweek... What would you take? Take a one. The the, the rhetoric goes. I take a one nil all day. Oh, absolutely, but I think the Barnsley and Brentford games had a lot in common mm. in that they could have gone a lot differently. Yeah. Had Cardiff not had what I think is becoming a very good goalkeeper mm-hmm. and what is clearly one of the better back fours in the division, if not the best at the mm. moment. And Bruno Manga playing that position at right back twice, Paul, mm. would probably not be any of our choices in that position. Not. No, but mate, mate, close mate of mine is a Barnsley fan, um, and he was WhatsApping me last night. <laughs> first, first message was obviously he's a bit sore. The Barnsley have lost. His first message was, "I'd rather go down than play like that." All Morrison did was take long throws. Like, <laughs> once he got, once he got over <laughs> was his sulk, was the hurt of Simon. <laughs> yeah. Once he got over his sulk, and to be fair, Simon knows his football. He said Manga was absolutely outstanding. You know? It's phenomenal. Um, and he, and he, you know, he kept Hamill and their other dangerous player really quiet all night. Edges as well, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's an interesting call, Dom, because we've discussed this. Which of his three centre backs does he leave out? Mm-hmm. He's found a way to he not leave any. I of always them. felt that he wouldn't leave any of them out because they were all too big to leave out. Mm. Not that Warnock will, will, will bother about, will, yeah, will concern about you. making that decision. Mm. But this is a way of keeping all three of them in the team. Mm. Um, when Cardiff went up under Malky, Matt Connolly played right back most of the season. Mm-hmm. So it isn't unprecedented that three centre backs play those roles for Cardiff City in a successful promotion winning season. Yeah. So, yeah. But if and Matt- they're both flanking. They're both flanking Morrison, who's the slower of the three. So yeah. you've got to think to yourself: the ball's down Cardiff's left hand side. 
Bruno to cover him on that side, behind him. And if the ball's coming down Bruno uh, Manga side, Bruno Manga side, then Bambas, uh, you got Bambas there to cover Morrison. So it's it's quite a clever ploy. I think what was noticeable as well is when I often criticise Peltier on social media for good or for bad, but I think when Peltier plays right back, we know that he doesn't really go beyond the halfway line. We accept that's part of his game. Mm. What Mango's actually doing at Oakwell was was getting forward and, yeah. and well, as, because as he offering, did his... offering a real threat. Well, he's an international. You'd expect that from an international defender, even if he's playing out of position. He can play with the because ball his feet. what happens is, when I say this to kids now, when you're learning to play football... Most kids say, I want to be a number 10, because they see that as the glamour position. They don't even want to be a number 9 anymore. They want to be a number 10. But I say, when you're watching football or when you're being coached, if you're a number 10 or a number 9 or a number 11 or a number 7, you're being coached, and the coach is talking to the right back or the left back, watch, understand, and take it in, because you could find yourself there one day, as I did for Cardiff, left back, right back, centre back, centre mid, right mid, left mid, centre forward. So... Understanding the position and understanding how to play the position is very important. And I would say to any international player, you might not enjoy the position, but most players at top level could play and play it quite well. And fullback is usually the easiest position to play. I won't go into the reasons why, but it is just simpler. And of course, I think we should remember that Manga did set up Ward's goal from overlapping yep. at, um, in Saturday's game. Well. Brentford um, game. Brentford's, yeah, against Brentford. So I'm not going to say that's one more goal than Lee Peltier was set up all season. It was right back, right back. But, <laughs> you, you know, just did. <laughs> <laughs> who, was the, uh, who was the brilliant French centre-back who played right back in their World Cup winning and Euro winning team? Lillian Turam. Turam. Yeah. To, to enable Blanc and Desailly to play yeah. centre-back. Yeah. Turan was a fantastic player for yeah. Juventus, fantastic centre back for yeah. Juventus, and eventually for France. But he played out of twice, position. didn't he? In the I think he quarterfinals yeah, or I something think he like did. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he, but he was he was like Manga. He yeah. was a centre back. Yeah, he's and he was right a beast back, as well. But he was able to play. That's yeah. his Manga. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but, the, but that's what I'm saying, Paul. You're looking at high international quality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whether you like or not, if you, I would say. You'd have to be going down to, like, no disrespects, but like the levels of like San Marino or Malta for you to have an international player who couldn't play and yeah. do a decent job in any position. Yeah. You know what I mean? Centre forward, centre back, left. You know, so it no surprises for me from Bruno. My only thing with Bruno was, not is was. Is he was just being a bit lackadaisical at times. Yeah. So he can, sh- he can sh- switch now, on, I think, from time to time. Yeah, now where he's now, obviously last two games he switched on and played very well, and I haven't seen the performances, but you two are clearly impressed with what you've seen. It's that consistency. It's not I'm looking for, for it from Bruno because I think he can do it. It's because I know he can do it, and the only reason you're not doing it is it's not ability, it's just a lapse in concentration. And funnily enough, his move to right back has seen Callum Patterson play on the right wing. He obviously came as a, a right back with a goal scoring reputation, got his first goal, Paul. And are we seeing another player who's benefiting from having that versatility? Someone who Warnock can feel he, whatever position he plays, 
he can put his trust in Patterson. Yeah, can you remind me what is when he came on? What was the what was his debut game time? He came on as a second half substitute. He came on very Cardiff, very late. Oh, he came on second half uh, just before against, Bristol, wasn't it? Against yeah. Millwall, it was. Anyway, Millwall, as soon as yeah. he came on, first time touched the ball. I'm not saying it's daft this, but you could immediately see this is a player. Yeah, he got pace, right? he? He's got pace. He's got presence. Um, then in the next game against Ipswich wasn't at home in midweek and started um, the game he was skinned a couple of times defensively I think you both took me to task for, for questioning him in that respect yeah because yeah. he'd just come in yeah because he'd just come yeah, through it's yeah. not meant as a criticism but he clearly has got ability he scored a backload of goals hasn't he for the under 23s mm-hmm. yeah he scored hat-tricks and um, all sorts you know, he was up there in that position. I think he is probably one of those players who, go, to me, he would be an absolutely perfect right wing back. He's, mm. you know, the athleticism yeah, yeah, yeah. and the dynamism yeah. and the speed to get up and down the line, the mobility. Um, well, you can see them going that way, really. If if everybody is, fit. well, it gives them options, doesn't it? You look at Patterson now. You can play him like Paul said. You can play him right back, right wing back, or right wing. You've got Bruno Manga, you can play centre-back, left-centre-back, right-centre-back, or right-back, or at worst, left-back if you had to. You know, you've got got Peltier who can play right-back and done a good job at Bristol playing left-back and cover. So, yes, it upsets the balance a bit. Bamba can step in as a number six. So you've you've now got six, five or six players, not only very good in their favoured position, but a versatile. That's... That's that's unprecedented at Cardiff, really. Yeah, in, it's unprecedented in most clubs. Is that something we would have seen before Neil Warnock's time, or do you think that's a product of Warnock's? Management? I just think the way he does, the way he is, you know, the way he, um, pragmatism. He really. gives, he, yeah, he's very pragmatic. It gives people the confidence to go out and play first and foremost, and don't be worried about making mistakes. And I always say that's the biggest thing for players is not thinking I'm going to get my head chewed off if I make a mistake because everybody makes a mistake everyone gives the ball away no matter how you know consistent you are whether you keep the ball or assist the ball or whatever you're always going to make mistakes it's the reaction of your teammates and your management which often makes you either more nervous of making a mistake or less nervous and I think he just comes in that category where players feel they can go out and play and they're not being asked to do Things that are way out of their territory, if you know what I mean. I mean, you're yeah, not asking Bruno Manga to play as a, play as a right wing producing crosses for goals, but he will produce Suddenly crosses they're for willing goals to do it for the manager. and he will have a go at that. And all of a sudden, he produces a cross for a goal. And do you know what I mean? So his confidence is higher. And then Neil might say to him, Well done, told you, blah, blah, blah. So he feels like, Okay, I can grow into this a little. So I think it's, I think it's, it's all about man management. Warnock seems to have it in, in abundance, doesn't he? We we saw Aaron Gunnarsson come back as well into midfield. Um, I think he managed 74 minutes at Barnsley before being taken off. Mm. Came on as a second-half substitute against Brentford. Mm. Are you slightly more at ease now that he's back in that position of Bamba? We've talked about the versatility, but Bamba can step back a little bit. Yeah, 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 I am. I think that's, uh, you know, you, you always look from your goalkeeper, centre-half, centre-mid, centre forward you always look at that as the spine the heart whatever you want to call it the engine room and like I've said on the show many a times I think Aaron is underrated not by us in here not by Cardiff City fans but I think he's underrated outside of that a lot of it might be to do with you know 
Iceland beat in England and blah blah blah. blah. Do you know what I mean? I rate him very highly for but doing that. I think he. <laughs> I think <laughs> I've said before. I think he could play in the likes of your Southamptons, your Stoke Cities, your Everton's. Your, he, he could play and do a very good job for him. So I think he's. You know, it, we better keep. It's no coincidence. Yeah, it's no coincidence that he comes back and. You know they're more solidified for me. They 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 they're stronger. So for me, yeah, big big uh, a big plus him coming back into the squad. Yeah, it was evident at Barnsley from the first minute before the sort of crowd got going, and you could hear the noise. You could just hear Gunnarsson mm. shouting, "Rousey, Rousey, mm. get back here! Mm-hmm. This is where I want you." Mm-hmm. Doing the same to Bryson and mm-hmm. pulling them together as mm-hmm. a three. Mm-hmm. Gunnarsson coming back and organising Rouse because what you got to think, you love Rouse, I know. But scored Rouse, a great goal against Brentford. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and you know, I always say he's a he's a good player, but he's not like our best midfielder for me. And he's not that type. He, he's he's a worker. He, he he'll close down work, get the odd goal for you. He's never going to win Ballon d'Or, is he? No, no. I don't think no. even I've claimed that. Ball, no, to be but he, he's 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 good for what he does. He's not he's not got a wide passing range or anything like that. But um, it just shows that that experience of Gunnison, you know, as as good as Rals is, he still needs to be led, rather than he's not yet quite there as a leader. Yeah, Cardiff have got plenty of leaders at the moment. Mm. Um, that's what for part one. We're going to talk about another leader, Kenneth Sahor, in part two. You're listening to Blakey's Boot Room from Wales Online. So my question for the debate this week, for the two of you, is around Kenneth Zahor and should we be a little concerned about his injuries or should we be glad that Cardiff have coped so well uh, without him? We'll turn to Kenneth Zahor's number one fan first. <laughs> Paul, you had, you've expressed your doubts about, about Danny Ward and Omar Bogle in Zahor's absence, but if you look at Cardiff's record without him recently has been okay. Do you think that they can click into another gear when he comes back? 100%. Um, and this is what I remember. The three of us were at Ashton Gate with that desperately disappointing performance stroke result that day. Mm-hmm. And you had to... It's an old cliche about trying to be positive. But, but you know, Cardiff you know, Cardiff was still... Having lost to Bristol City, they were still third in the table going into the international break. That was better than most people really anticipated. So, yeah. so it certainly wasn't a reason for to be down. But... What what has re- what encouraged me then, but what has really encouraged me since with the with the back to back wins over Brentford and Barnsley and the clean sheets is that Cardiff are doing this. They've gone up to second in the table without their main man Zahora firing yet properly this season. Without Tomlin behind him firing, and I just think that um, you know he 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 actually. You know, there, there are other players like Mendes Lang who've done brilliantly, Hoylett's done brilliantly, but make no mistake, Kenneth Zahora is the kingpin in that card of team. He's the one that the twenty million pound bids were for in the close season. It wasn't the other players. Um and he started the season really well. He got a winner in the opening game at Burton, he played really well. Villa were terrified. James Chester, um, John Terry terrified by him in that game. And I thought, you know, and then it just wasn't happening for him. He was trying a bit too hard. I was thinking it will just it will just flow, just just you know. Um, and then he's lost his place in the team. And the thing that worries me is Neil Warnock 
saying before the uh, before the Brentford game that in effect saying that he doesn't have a high pain barrier or high pain threshold am I summarising yeah, that he said fairly? compared it to Gunnarsson's pain threshold which he said Gunnarsson will play no matter what I don't like that sort of thing because that that you know, that's the sort of thing that Jurgen Klopp said about Daniel Sturridge. And, you know, it's it's not really... It worries me a little bit. Mm. It worries me a little bit. To me, Zavora is, what, six foot four, big, strong, powerful, great in the air, quick for his size, really quick for his size, scores wonder goals. I just want to see him out on that pitch. He, without doubt, will give a whole new dimension to that team because if they can keep clean sheets and he's not in the side, imagine what they can do when he is in the side as well. There we are. I've said, I've said, I've <laughs> you have to repeat the question for me. Blakey is smiling. <laughs> What's the question, Dom? Um, Paul was saying something it's in about two parts. the whole being rubbish. Yeah, can Cardiff click into another gear with Zahor, or do you think they've actually just found an alternative to him? Well, I think they've had to find an alternative. And it's going to take your team probably three or four games when you lose your main striker to settle into you know whoever you've got playing up front because you've not got a player at Cardiff, a striker at Cardiff who can hold the ball up as well, or run in behind as well, or is as strong as Kenneth. So you, it, it is going to take you a few games to adjust your players to adjust. Because let's be, remember, Cardiff were one of I think one of the highest in stats of playing from back to front early, and the reason is because you've got a six foot four, as Paul says. World class, well, not world class, but a classy player up front. Top right? class in the championship. He is in the championship. He, he's one of the top strikers. So that is always going to take time to, to settle down and what have you. As far as Cardiff um, coping without him now and going to a new system and whether or not he's going to come back into the team, I would say, judging on what Paul said, that Neil Warnock has, has spoken about pain thresholds and what have you. What you've got to understand is sometimes managers have to play games with, with players' minds, right? I, I personally, I always speak from a personal point of view. I never mention or rarely mention other players. But I remember being in a situation at Blackburn where Graham Souness called into question me, basically, uh, and basically wanted to dig me out as a cheat, right? Um, and I had an injury problem with my Achilles, which subsequently I was just playing through the barrier, and it was pre-season, so it was a lot of running, and in them days you'd done a lot of running. I was getting through the pain, going through the pain, and just kept training, because I was in a position where I wanted to leave Blackburn, because sooner than I didn't see eye to eye. So he called me into question, and my... Basically, my whole stature, do you know what I mean? Everything I was, he called it into, called it and said, like, basically, you're a cheat. And I lost my head with him, and we won't talk about what happened, but I just continued to play and train and train and train. But I haven't got a high pain threshold, but it was a case of... Is it about managing player to player and each everyone's different? Because I like went that. on and ended up playing for the first team soon as apologised and then ended up like scoring like a hat full of goals at the start of the season in our promotion year but after I remember playing at Fulham and I was running with such a limp it was televised that I was getting the Achilles drained before and after games with a needle 
And I remember them say the physio saying with day fever, that's it, it's done. You're gonna have to have the op. So I would say what Neil's doing is probably a bit of mind games. You have to understand it's not an it's not always an attack. I like my situation was an it was an, it was a personal thing, and I knew yeah. it was. I think Neil and but I think what was obviously very good. What Neil's doing because we all know how highly Neil has praised Kenner in the past, right? And he might just simply be saying, "Yeah, I know he hasn't got the highest pain threshold, but they how badly were, do you want it?" They right? want him back, but they want him hundred percent. But no, not not. You're never going to be hundred percent. So another example I give you when I was at Wolves and I broke my foot in two places, and they were saying that's you done for the season. That same season, I ended up getting back and scoring a winner, one of the goals in the playoff final at Cardiff. Now. I remember going with Darren Campbell down to Merthyr Mauer and running out to the sea and back and up and down the sand dunes with a severe limp and Darren saying to me, you know, you look like you're struggling. But me knowing as much as the pain was killing me, one, I was running on sand so I wasn't doing much damage, but two, there was a determination to push through that pain to get back to help the team to try and get promoted. And I think that is where Neil... Not knowing the whole situation, but I would say you're kind of messing with the mind and the emotion and trying to get inside his head and asking him the question, listen, if it's really that bad, no problem. But no player plays without pain. It's unheard of. You know, I'm 45, I haven't played for 10 years. I still have pain. It's just nature of the beast, I'm afraid. So maybe he's at a point where the physio department is saying he could play, and it would be painful, but he's not going to do more damage. So you then start to have to find ways of getting him to come to the table of his own accord, but knowing it's not going to be easy. And it's why most footballers are wrecked by the time they're 50, because you do, you put it all online. What about those other options, though, Paul? We've seen, I think Ward and Bogle have both acquitted themselves quite well. Obviously, the red card hangs mm-hmm. over Bogle, but they both... Chips in with two or three goals uh, in Zahor's absence. Ward has, has it's the assists, though. Yeah, they, I, think, I don't uh, think they bring the players top. into the game the same it, way. It's the Zohor's assist. It's, it's the platform you can play off, Kenneth. But as as backup signings, which, Brilliant. which they are, you cannot fault them at all, I don't think. I, I know you have your reservations about both. Paul. Well, no, I think that's a little bit unfair because Bogle began to impress me. Yeah, 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 yeah you were. Act of lunacy. Yeah. Got, uh, uh, and we've all been there, Paul. Yeah, the act right. of lunacy. He, he knows that he's made yeah, a mistake there. Yeah. Um, he cost Cardiff the game end off. Ward, I always felt, would, you know, would, would kick in with a set number of goals over the course of the season, but it's not his fault he's not Kenneth Zahora the, the signing that I question at, at the risk of incurring Neil Warnock's wrath the one who has yet to impress me let me put it that way is Feeney right I've yet to see it with Feeney I, yeah, I'd agree with but that I may be wrong hopefully it will come good right but with Ward I can see something there that offers a slightly different dimension with Cardiff so it's not that I'm unimpressed with Ward but he is not Kenneth Zahora that's not his mm. fault you know, I'll go to games. If Kenneth Zohora is playing, I will be confident of a Cardiff City win. If Kenneth Zohora is not playing, I am far, far, far less confident of a Cardiff City win. Mm. I think that... So to, to Even go back, now? To go back to your original question... Dodging the question. Dominic, no, no, but to go back to the original, the original <laughs> scenario, 
if they're keeping clean sheets, which is the, the mantra anyway, and you've got Kenneth Zahora up top, you've got a much better chance of winning games and mm. keeping this run going, in mm. my opinion. Let me tell you, can I say about Feeney? Can I defend him a little? Because I see because this is all and, about balance. Yeah, yeah, and what happens is sometimes you sign for a club and you're you yourself are expecting sometimes to go straight in and play. Uh, and he's not, he probably wasn't expecting the, the, the level of challenge that is in front of him, right? Because you, you, you look at Mendes and you look at Junior and you think, well. They're arguably the two best wingers in the championship. They're definitely up there, aren't right? They? So there. all of a sudden, then you become a backup, and you kind of fall into mentally, you can fall into a comfort position where you're not what we say at it. So you're playing, but you're not at it, and I think that's a it's a classic case of that. I think I think Feeney is in a position where he doesn't feel like he's in. He's of the level of importance of a Mendes Lang or a Junior Hoyland. However, you, I always say to players, only you can get there. So no agent is going to help you do it. No manager is going to help you do it. Your wife, your kids, no one. The only person who can get you into that position where the manager relies on you, trusts you, and doesn't want to let leave you out, the only person who can get you there is you. So Feeney... New, time to settle in, as all players do. Some take a year, some take two years, some take two minutes. Well, we haven't got that with Feeney, though, have we, on a short-term no. loan? So he's, he's got to, in a, in a sense... He's, he's got to hit the ground yeah, running. He has to. Yeah, so... Which is I harsh would, on him, maybe. Yeah, but I would say to him, if I was advising him, I would say that, that I would be working on him mentally. Yeah, and pointing things out to him, look, the flip side of this, or what happens if you don't do this... Or when you are going on, why are you playing at 70? Why aren't you just like a dude or somebody going, 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 trying to get to the bottom, bam, 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 to get you to play yourself into that, you know, top form again? Because that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, and I think at the risk of... Because he's a good player. Well, he's a a very good player. At the risk of criticising him, which I have done a little bit on social media, both him and Ward do have the feeling of, of subs, but... Warnock needs his subs and he needs those options mm. as we've seen with with injuries and suspensions but you need, recently but you need even if you can't get into the start 11 my point is you need to be coming on and showing why ma- no maintaining the be. level of the player who's just left so you can't come on for Mendes Lang and then every, all of a sudden the ball's going out to the right wing and you can't get past your defender and you know he's taking the ball off you and running and, and the whole momentum swings the other way you've got to go on and keep your foot on his throat. You've got to go and you know rip him up and continue to rip him up. You know what I mean? So it's it, it's it's the mind, mate. The mind is 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 so uh, so important in in sport, especially in football. Quickly and last word on on Zahor, Paul. Have Cardiff coped without him? Well, obviously, yes. Mm. Ah. The, they're in a very similar position to when he was in the side. Mm. So you know they're they're about near the top. I, I still, I still, but, but they need Kenetsuora. Whether they can keep papering over the cracks without Kenetsuora to score the goals and to lead the line, oh, that's this the is question, the point. Blakey keeps saying it's not just about leading the line; it's about running in behind. It's about players playing off him. It's about him putting fear into the opposition defenders. Mm. See, when you when you when you draw up your plan, 
your strategic plan for a game, right? Cardiff's whole basis of how they play: big centre backs, yeah. big powerful centre backs, strong full backs. Yeah. One gets forward very well. One likes to sit very well, so that gives you a good balance there. Two strong midfielders, two wide players who are very quick, and you get about the pitch. And then a centre forward up front, and then you can either put another man in midfield as a three as a Bryson, or you can have a Demore, or you could play someone in behind, or you can have the second striker. But it's all up. It, it's it, all geared it, towards that. that it's man. like a it's like a triangle, like I said, a football club. It's like a spearhead. Pyramid, yeah. It's like it goes one way. So everything you do from back and then finishes at the front at your your pinpoint. Your pinpoint is your most important platform. Because it's the smallest, because your foundation is massive, your back four, but your front man is one person on his own. So he has got to be, he's the pinnacle of your your club, your team. So he's got to do all things well, that you want him to do how you decide to play as a club philosophy, as a manager. So is he important? He's beyond important. Have Cardiff coped without him? Yes, they have. But I would say... Doesn't mean we don't want him, him back. Score, no, him scoring a couple of goals before he went injured, right? To me, I would say Cardiff could quite possibly be two or three points clear at the top of the table now if Zohar was fit. That's how I look at it. I don't look and say, oh, well, they've done well without him. Yeah, they have done well without him. But I'm like, shucks, we could have been, you know, maybe four points clear by now. Could be better. And those, those blanks they've drawn at home maybe could Absolutely. have turned into goals. And that's what probably Neil Warnock knows. And that's why coming full circle is why he's probably not questioning him but challenging him challenging him yeah getting inside his head excellent stuff um, part 3 coming up very soon subscribe to The Boot Room on iTunes or listen on walesonline.co.uk so something different in part 3 this week um Regarding the news, obviously, that Chris Coleman is no longer Wales manager and has taken charge of Sunderland. Cardiff City legend and current player development manager Craig Bellamy is in the frame for the job. Uh, and we just thought who better to get inside the brain of than Mr Nathan Blake, former Wales international, um, and who should take over from Coleman. Um, Nathan, first of all, your sort of reaction to the, to the news... Surprised that Coleman, that, that Coleman has gone at this time? Uh, not really surprised that he went, if I'm totally honest. I had, um, I think I had mentioned it to Paul and to uh, uh, Rob Phillips. I had said, I think he'll go. Um, the general consensus was, oh, he'll stay, honey. He'll stay. I well, like, what what are they waiting for? And maybe what he's asking for, the FA just can't deliver. Hence why you didn't see no sort of progression on talks. You know, there wasn't, oh, we're getting closer, we're close, we're almost there, we've got one or two things to sort out and it'll probably be next week. We never went down there. We had a situation where, you know, the talk started back probably April, May, will he stay? And by October, November, the same question was being posed and neither side had moved their position at all there was no sign of compromise so for me it was his contract was running out I thought 
chances are you'll wait around now Christmas time there's not another game till March and you'll you'll jump when a when a club comes in for him if you ask me did I think it'd be Sunderland no I didn't think it would do I think it's a crazy move no and yes <laughs> no in the sense of it's a huge club and if you can get it right um, and all you have to do is for me this season is uh, avoid relegation and probably gives you three years grace because you take a top 10 finish then a playoff finish then you'll be looking for promotion over the three years um, the yes to the crazy move would be other managers many managers of all different types shapes and sizes have gone in and tried whether that's on a mental whether it's a physical whether it's a little crazy whether it's being sad whether it's we've had every type of mood <laughs> and every type of manager in there and yet still success has been found wanting by each and every one of them so Chris obviously has a lot of confidence in his own ability from the Wales situation because prior to that his management situation wasn't great mm -hmm. right? yeah. so he's managed to recover his position yep I think if I was advising Chris, I would have advised him not to touch that one because I think without money, it's very difficult to be successful. And that is a club. I look at their roster and I think there are probably 12, maybe 14 players who I would want off, off and out of that club if I was manager. And new players, youth players, 23 players... I would kind of like start again, press the reset button. So, it's a pros big old and cons. Job, big old job for Massive cons. job. But where does it leave Wales and, and their search? One of the, the things that's been said in this office, I think, over the past few days is there isn't really a standout candidate for to replace no. him. And I think Paul said this as well. We, we've Obviously, Craig Bellamy's name thrown into the mix. Ryan Giggs, mm. Tony Pulis as well. Um, Usual suspects. Yeah, and that's that's does the it problem. You, the, the it doesn't. List? No, no, it doesn't. I'll be honest with you. My thing is, uh, and this is where I I disagree with Chris Coleman. He said that it has to be a Welshman. It has to be a passionate Welshman. I don't want to buy all that nonsense. You know what I mean, I, I said, um, you know, as a black person in football, it's very difficult after football to find yourself working football. Certain players will be groomed and put in positions and allowed and you see them on Sky and and you might see a real Ferdinand, but you'll never see an up-and-coming wannabe young coach, wannabe stroke manager on Sky. So, you know, certain, you know, certain people get certain privileges, right? And I'm the type of person who looks and says, well, having suffered that and see others suffering that, I'd be hypocritical of me. It'd be hypocritical of me to then go out and say, oh, well, I only advocate Welsh people for Welsh jobs. Don't be so stupid, man. It's like you said, you usual suspects. Well, Paul, 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 it's like if Paul was born and bred in Italy and then come as a 40-year-old and said, like, oh, no, we, we, I'd only advocate Welsh people. for Well, no, you've got to have the best man for the job. If you're passionate about football and passionate about winning and passionate about team and 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 understanding players and getting the best out of players, it doesn't matter if you're from Mars. 
<laughs> well, it's like you said. You said usual suspects, and I think the Premier League's got a problem with this at the moment. When you see it's people the like usual suspects. David Moyes, it's like and a, Sam Allardyce. Well, if you look at the job. LMA, I always say the LMA. You know, it's not an organisation I look and think I have a great deal of respect for because, you know, when they had the situation with racism, what have you, they made a statement saying it was just banter. Now that, to me, says. To you, it might not say a lot, but to me, it says yeah. huge things. Yeah. It yeah. says, as an organisation, yeah. we don't see racism as a problem when it's a huge problem. Yeah. Right? It's a huge problem. Now, people can overlook it. People can say, oh, well, no, we put this in place. Oh, we're going to learn lessons. All this talk is just that talk. So for me, I'm always of the opinion that I don't care where you're from, mate. I don't care what colour skin you are. I don't even care if you're male or female. I'm not bothered. I just want the best person for my organisation to run it and run it well. And if I feel you're not, you're gone. It's as simple as that for me. So we've got the Craig Bellamy, we've got the Ryan Giggs, we've got the Tony Pulis. And I know what will happen is the Welsh FA will just follow suit and it will be another Welshman. Yeah, because they are of the opinion... You know, he has to be Welsh and bloody bloody blah and da 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 and you know, okay they had the ghoul thing and that never worked out well and went backwards. So since Sparky there's been a continual of Welsh and former players. Me personally, I'm not having it. Just because you're Welsh and just because you're a player, you know, look how many great players have tried to walk in the management and have you know, really, Gary Neville, perfect example. Got his face rubbed in the dirt, out you go. You know, it's 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 not actually as easy as what you think because translating my message to the player is one thing. Having the player go out and deliver that message is a totally different thing. And um, Paul, a lot of debate also raging about the name Giggs. Yeah. Um, some desperately want him and think he'll be a great... Great appointment. A lot don't want him, uh, and see his previous perceived lack of commitment to the Welsh team as a problem. I know it's, it's been a subject that you've been quite vocal about uh, over the last few days. Mm, interesting, because I don't know Paul's opinion on this. Well, the reason I've been you've vocal not been on Twitter is, last week. I don't do Twitter, so I don't see <laughs> yeah, it. No. The reason I've been vocal is because I think there's a lot of rubbish spoken about Ryan Giggs, right? There, there, and and people have an amnesia with it, right? They're they're suggesting that he can't. Be possibly be Wells manager because he wasn't committed to the country, he's not passionate about the country, uh, he played for Team GB, he commentates on England matches for, for ITV. Yeah, I mean, some of these are absurd reasons. Now, if you want to put a case forward saying that Ryan Giggs doesn't have experience so he shouldn't manage Wales, I can buy that as a football argument. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I can buy it. But then you can't then in the same breath Say, ah, but we'll have Craig Bellamy because he's really passionate. You know? Which <laughs> is what, this is what I'm saying. It's completely hypocritical from some yeah. people. Um, like Blakey like Blake says, it's got to be the best person for the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's listen, I took, when, when Giggsy was missing Wales matches, I remember taking him to task in print at the time. I had Sir Alex Ferguson on the phone having a real go at me at the time because he thought I was criticising Ryan. Mm. Um you know, and I used to speak to some of your teammates, Blakey, at the time. Mm. Blakey was in the dressing room, remember, Dom? Mm. He was a teammate of Ryan's, yeah? Of course, yeah. Um, I used to speak to people like Gary Speed and John Hartson, and 
I remember speaking to Gary once about this gig and said, "Like, what's the honest view from the other players? Do you accept he's a special case, Gary, or, or, or you know, are you angry that he's pulling out of games all the time? It's threatening preparation." And he said, "Look, it's best I don't say anything on that, Paul. <laughs> yeah, and that, but you know, to be fair, he was close to Gixi, and and he, you know, always then defended it whenever the issue got raised in a press conference as the captain of the team as as time moved on." Um, so I think correct me if I'm wrong Blakey but I think the view from the dressing room at the time was Lucky is an exceptional case because of who he is and where he's come from even though it wasn't really the right thing to do and that Ferguson put pressure on him I, would, I think that's where you have to remember you know at this time United were at the height of winning everything right so and also remember Ryan as a young player 16, 17, 18 yeah. Had terrible hamstrings, right? Yeah. Seriously, one of the worst hamstring stretches I've seen, which doesn't make sense for someone who's so quick, right? But could barely get beyond his knees on his hamstring stretch and worked for years on manipulation and suppleness and blah, blah, blah. In the end, what did he end up doing? Yoga and stuff like yeah. that and Pilates. Yeah. Played but for 25 years. He had, right, but he had terrible hamstrings. Now, I'm not making excuses for him because at the same time, it, we would we weren't bothered whether he turned up or not in total honesty what we wanted him to turn up because he's a great player he's a you know, world class player and obviously you've got more chance of winning games if he's there than if he's not but we all also understood that he was young not looking at when he was 28, 29 I'm talking like 19, 20, 20 probably 19 to about 25, 26, 27 probably when he missed the most friendlies but that's when United were at their highest. And I would say a lot of pressure would come from managers. You know, I've I've had I've had it myself with managers where they don't they don't want you to go away on international duty because the importance of the next game when we get back. Uh, if you go and get injured, it could upset the whole rhythm of what we're doing and how we've been playing over the last three months. So, you know, can we say and it's a friendly? Can you just like say, can we just say like your hamstrings are sore or you've got a tight calf or But do you think know, that happening to the gigs when he was a player with Ferguson would affect him if if and when he's appointed as Wales boss? Would that affect affect how close Well I think he the general the consensus is you weren't committed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That is the problem. You weren't committed. Yeah. There's other probably there's probably other factors around it as well, but the general consensus seems to me is you weren't committed. Now what you can't do, or what we can't do, is change all those people's minds. Again, I'll reiterate what I said earlier, the only person that can change the public's mind is Ryan Giggs, if he gets the job. Just like, and be careful how you prejudge, because Chris Coleman took over in unprecedented circumstances, and I said it was always going to take a year for people to, people's head to settle on what had happened. Mm. Right, Andy was good friends with Gary, so it was always going to be difficult. But after Bosnia, I remember the stick Chrissy was getting was unbelievable. Get him out, he's the worst, <laughs> terrible, blah, 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 blah. Roll on three or four years, he's left the country, and people have said he's Wales' greatest ever manager. So, perceptions can change, is what you're saying. 
See, absolutely. The, the, the other thing that, that annoys me a bit about the gigs debate is, you know, another thing, uh, well, he shouldn't manage country, he never played well. well what a load of utter nonsense. I've seen that bloke turn in some of the most blinding individual performances. Some games Blakey himself would have played in, like Germany at the Arms Park and mm-hmm. the Euro Qualifier, absolutely terrorised the Germans, who, who went on to win the tournament the following year. Mm. Um, you know, there are lots and lots of good games. The question to me is, is it's not about commitment, because I think about commitment, and that's what people are saying, Blake, you're absolutely right, mm. yeah? Because I think whoever gets the job surely is committed to that job. It's what you were, saying, what you were saying earlier. Do you know part of the problem? Okay, I'm going to give you a, par- uh, a, a kind of like a parallel. So, Man United, Man City. The problem at the moment with the Man United supporters, I've said, my two boys are Man United fans, I tell them all the time, your problem isn't Mourinho and Man United. Your problem is Pep and Man City. What they're doing makes you question what we're doing. Yeah. The problem with Ryan is Gareth Bale. He has carried the team to the semi-finals of the. Yeah. That's what happens when you're committed. Look, yeah. that's what the argument is. That's what happens. That's what that's Ryan great, could have done. That is what happens when you're committed to the cause. Listen, Ryan can't get that time back. It's yeah. gone. All you can do, <laughs> like I said, is now never prejudge. Yeah, the old sayings, never judge a book by its cover. Never prejudge. Let someone take the opportunity, give them some time, and then you can make judgment on them. But passing judgment on him now, I think, is unfair. And I think largely because Gareth has been so committed, I think, and I'm going to be the first to say this on record, I actually think, knowing how the human body is and how it breaks down as you get older, I think Gareth over-tilted in the Euros. I think he pushed his body that far, he is now paying the price for that. right? And I don't think you'll ever see Gareth in another year or two, he's going to be that much older, those other injuries carrying. I don't think you'll ever see Gareth at the level that he was. Going past people. He will still go past people i.e. Lionel Messi still goes past people but instead of doing it like Neymar would do 20 times a half and when Messi was at his best 25 times a half he'll now do it 4 times a half so you'll see it and you'll see those bursts but they'll become less and less and less and that is what happens when you leave it all out there right and for me Ryan whenever he played 100% committed but like I say, I can't change the public's perception of whether he's he doesn't fit the hashtag altogether. What's it called? Together, um, together, together stronger. stronger. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He doesn't. Well, I say, listen, if you go and he qualifies for Euro Euros, and hypothetically speaking, of course, he qualified for the Euros and got to the quarterfinals, we would all be loading him. So let's just, you know, if Chris Coleman taught anyone anything. Is don't prejudge. Do you think it will be gigs, Blakey? I think it's wanted. I think the FA wanted gigs for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think yeah. it's a. I it's think a done deal. I think you might get one or two people kicking up now, saying, "Oh, Tony Pulis is available." Yeah, yeah. But I don't think. I think Tony's made it evident in the past that he can work with. I think that it's, sort of situation. I think it's. Uh, I think it's between Pulis and Giggs, and I think like you, Giggs is the one they've always wanted. Mm. I think Craig is in the mix, Bellamy, but mm. 
I'm not sure. Um, I think Osh and Roberts himself is in the mix. But well, there's something. Give it to Osh. He's more a number two than a number one. Yeah, but perception. Give it to him. Um, there's a real good left field candidate they are looking at though, uh, Blakey, and that's Thierry Henry because of his connection. I've heard with Osh, Thierry. Right? I've heard. I've heard I Thierry bet you Henry. You'd love that one, wouldn't you? Um, no. Confuse me. Uh, I'm not overly enthused and underly enthused. Uh, my slight worry with Thierry is and would be expecting everybody to play how he played. Because when I hear him on Sky, that's kind of the perception I got of him. Yeah. And sometimes uh, the European the European based players. They do just have a different mentality to the British-based players on certain things. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. But if it happened, like I say, I don't care who it is. I don't prejudge them. I would be ex as excited if it was Giggs, Tony Pulis, or Thierry Henry. I'm just I I wait to see the evidence what you're going to show me. I'm not bothered about. Your Thierry Henry, you know, that's behind as far as I'm concerned. Your Ryan Giggs, that's behind. Tony Pulis, well, you're still in management, just been released, but, you know, I'm not looking at your past. Show me what you've got. Got a question for Blakey? Tweet us at Cardiff City Live. So into part four, we're going to roll Ask Blakey in predictions all into one short section as we've been talking so eloquently on whales and gigs and all that sort of stuff mm. um, question more of a statement actually comes in from Nick on right, Nick. Uh, social media he points out um, after the 75th minute in games last season Cardiff conceded 21 goals why are we going stats are we and, after, <laughs> and in 18 games this season in the last 15 minutes they've only conceded two so I had a problem conceding last goal late, late goals last season this season they're shutting teams out at the end. That's not a coincidence. and I think that's the point that Nick is yeah, making. Yeah, and, and they're scoring late. They're scoring well. late, but they're not. more importantly, they're not conceding. They're late. not conceding. So that shows you they finish games stronger than the opposition nine times out of ten. So, again, what I'd say to Nick is that just comes down to a mentality. Because, okay, you have a few diff different players, but those same players let's say under a Paul Trollope wouldn't have the same mentality as they do under Neil Warnock is that a concentration thing? no that's an importance of a manager and but does he instill that? and an understanding and yeah yeah so he will question and help build your character upward in my opinion like people will say oh you never managed the Premier League or didn't um, we're not there so we don't know you know what I mean can a manager get inside a player's head so that they go into the last 10 minutes of the game and they feel more confident? Eddie May used to get inside my head when I was a youngster. How? Well, it was, it, I think this is why I became mentally... I was mentally strong anyway, but it's why I became mentally stronger. Because he... he I remember what he'd done to me the once was... And my form kind of never dipped after that, but Paul might remember... When they brought in Eddie Newton, yeah, he brought in Eddie Newton and Jerry Harrison. And first game, he he called me in his office. They came in like on a Monday or Tuesday. We were playing on Saturday and I was so excited. Right? Because I don't think my form had been great, but I was so excited. Like it, it just gave me a boost. 
play to play with Eddie as we were youth team players about and Eddie called me in his office and said, Oh, you dropped for Saturday. I was absolutely devastated. Devastated. Devastated <laughs> to the point where I can even now, just thinking about it, that him saying to me, You're not playing Saturday in his office gives me a funny, like a horrible feeling horrible in my stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I came on sub, I scored from a free kick, and then never looked back. And Eddie had a great three months with us and it helped my form pick up. So he got inside your head? So he got inside my head, yeah, massively. Great clever, though. Great, clever, uh, great clever statement play. rather than a question, that, Nick. Mm. Um, Can I throw a question in here? From, please. From, from Twitter. Very quickly. Phil Weston, more stories from the class of 92, 93, please. You see what I mean, Blake? Yeah, yeah. We want, what, what we're going to do... We're we'll getting save so, them. We're, gonna get, we're getting so much feedback... Um, I love that about, era. about that era that we'll do a special podcast in the not too distant future about that Eddie May era. Yeah, that many Bluebirds fans still when remember, the when the, the Ayer, uh, when the Ayatollah really started. Yeah, right quickly, chaps. Before we wrap up, we'll do uh, predictions. Cardiff one nil Forest. Travel into Forest. Blakey says another one nil. Two one, Forest. Yeah, one nil. No, no, no. To, to oh, Cardiff comes to stupid. I was going to say Blakey. I was going to say <laughs> one 0 one 0 Back to back. We didn't we do predictions of the Barnsley game, but I did actually predict 1 0. Let's just, just sneak that one. Oh, in you didn't. You can't have that Paul, one. We did do Paul, a podcast and Paul, you call 1 0, but there's no podcast. Paul text me on uh, <laughs> Tuesday afternoon, ask for a prediction. I'll have to see the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying for, for the trip to Forest then, Paul? There's normally goals in this game. Um, I think four out of the last six trips to Forest, Cardiff have 1 2 1. So I'll get in early well, and say about, 2 1. I was about to say 2 1, to be honest with you. Um, you're asking an awful lot for Cardiff to win another game away from home. Forrest have begun to fly recently. Can be done. Um, Cardiff on the roll, mate. Don't mess. Two games we lost yeah. all season, man. I'm going to sit on the fence on this one. I can't call it. I can't call it. But we cannot shut this programme down until Paul gives <laughs> a prediction. 2 1 to Forrest. Paul saying 2 1 to Forrest. Well, we shall see. Um, that's all we've got time for for today's podcast thank you to both uh, for your extensive contributions on this special edition uh, we'll be back next week with another version of the podcast until then you can listen to this on Wales Online on Audio Boom, or on iTunes and give us a review on iTunes that'd be great as well uh, but from the three of us same time next week ciao ciao ciao